Welcome to Coffee with Kay, where we're going to make sure the coffee is always served strong, but it's also going to come with a side of truth, and that's truth with a capital T. The truth of God, that is. I'm here to equip and encourage you, Saint. Yep, that's right, you. And if you're not familiar with the sainthood, I want to teach you what it is, and I want to invite you to the family. So let's get right into it. guys welcome to coffee with k where we tell the truth um but we make sure the coffee is extra strong i'm here to share the gospel and equip and challenge the saints which is you guys to learn how to love others and grow in your faith so today we are talking to amanda amanda and i met just two months ago happenstancely <laughs> while Hunter, my husband and I were taking a little trip for our anniversary and she was our barista and her spirit just sparked my soul and we continued to stay in touch. And so she is going to be here on Coffee with Kay with us to share about a topic that many of you might be familiar with, whether you have been in it or have been alongside of it. Um, And she is going to share with us her story, her testimony, and ways that us saints can learn how to better love people in this type of circumstance. So we're going to get straight to it. Hey, Amanda, how are you? Have good afternoon. Oh, and happy Friday. I thought it was Friday. It wasn't Friday, (laughs) and I caught myself, and then I was like, wait, no. (laughs) Thank goodness. It's Friday. (laughs) So exciting. So, Amanda, can you tell us who you are? Would you introduce us to yourself and share with us just a little tidbit about you? And if you would be so willing, share your testimony with us. Yeah. So I am Amanda. Um, I'm 29, almost 30 this year, which is so crazy. It blows my mind. Um, I have two little boys. One is almost seven and one is almost three, which also blows my mind. Um, time is going way too fast, but, um, I am a single mom and, um, I live in Texas. I am a photographer and love it so much. I also moonlight as a barista, which doesn't happen very often. So I think that that was definitely a God thing that you and your husband came in on the day that you did. And I was there by myself and like, I got to talk to you and like, you know, learn about you guys. And that was like, definitely a God thing. Um, I, let's see, my testimony is probably much like a lot of Texans or like Southern people. I grew up in church. I grew up in a Baptist church. Um, I was like born and baptized like in the church. And I, I think I was maybe six the first time I was baptized, like dunked in the, the water tank thing and really didn't know what I was, you know, doing or committing to, but what six-year-old does. And then, um, I was 13 and in youth group, uh, when I really realized like, okay, God loves me. 
this is who God is and could really, really understand like the weight of what I was doing. Um, and I recommitted my life to Christ then. And I have never not walked (laughs) with God. I, um, there've been times where I've, I've had rough patches. I struggle really, really bad with anxiety or I, I used to struggle really bad with anxiety and phobias. Um, and God taught me a lot through that about, um, the armor of God and, uh, through the book of Ephesians and just like all of that stuff really rekindled my relationship with the Lord several years ago. Um, but I, um, my most recent walk and challenge is, has been divorce, which I think we're going to get into and I don't want to jump the gun, but, um, yeah, that's kind of my, who I am and my testimony a little bit. Wow. That is so awesome. Praise God for that. And I bet it will give us a really interesting perspective. So for those of you who maybe just came across Coffee with Kay randomly, um, I am a Christian and this podcast, my worldview that I am teaching and sharing about is the worldview from the gospel. Um, And the gospel is a part of the Bible. And for Christians, the Bible is where we gain all of our insight, our moral guides, our moral compass. And as it is the living word of God, God inspired the Bible. He wrote the Bible. This is how we get to know him. Um, this really, it, per, it, per, it, um, it's the word I'm looking for. It is the concrete and the cornerstone of a true Christian's worldview. So, Something that was so interesting where Amanda, where I got to meet Amanda from was that, uh, like I mentioned, my husband and I were on our anniversary trip uh, and we hadn't taken a trip, just the two of us, probably since our honeymoon five years ago. And she congratulated us and um, she had mentioned her divorce. And for Hunter and I, we were just like, oh, wow. You know, people don't usually share that information with you <laughs> when you first meet them. And um, I, I think what what sparked that was I had said um, first, yeah, we're we're halfway uh, between the average American marriage, which mm-hmm. is eight years long. The average American marriage lasts for eight years, and that's when you had mentioned your divorce. And I, we were like, you know, just we were so sorry to hear that. Um, and, and we asked, you know, do you have any words of advice for us? And you said being faithful, uh, and that is just the first best way to start. So if you are unfamiliar with the Bible, what we believe about marriage comes from, uh, Genesis chapter two, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It is the creation story, how God created the heavens and the earth and the first humans. And the first humans are Adam and Eve. Adam is a man, Eve is a woman. And he created them to be together because after God created all these beautiful creatures in the world and the animals and the ocean and the heavens and the sky and the ground, he said, um, that he needed to make man. And so he made man Um, and Adam had the job of naming all of the animals and taking care of the earth and stewarding the earth. Um, and then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he took uh, a rib from Adam's side while he was asleep and he formed a woman out of it. And that is Eve. And God says, 
that a man will leave his father and his mother and his family and cleave to his wife when they're married as one. Um, and as Christians in our worldview, we believe that when we are married, our union is not just civil and legal, it's also spiritual. And um, we believe that we are becoming one flesh, one body in God's perspective. And so it's so important and pivotal that we cherish this covenant um, and that it remains lifelong. However, in future chapters, we'll see that um, humans turned away from God's perfect plan. And um, because of that, because of our fallen nature, um, God it gives a law through his first prophet, um, Moses, that does allow for divorce and for separation of that union. Because humans, as you know, as I know, we are not perfect. We always make mistakes. We are going to fail. We are going to fall. Um, and sometimes that is in that sacred covenant. And so there are circumstances where we have to dissolve it. Um, we can always try, but it does not always work out. And so this is the perspective in the worldview that we're going to be talking about this issue with. We both recognize that this is something that's very common in the American um, culture. It's common in the church as well. Um, there's a great Pew study statistic about the um, uh Consistencies of marriage and or divorce within the church and just kind of some things that might sway you towards um, having a higher likelihood of becoming divorced. Like if you've been married two, three, four, five times or, or not, you know, if you're educated, have a college education, um, then you are more likely to not get divorced. So we could go on and on. I just wanted to be able to share First, that framework of what we're talking about um, so that we can better understand this story and this testimony and this sister's story um, and be able to be compassionate when we talk about this conversation with others. So with that said, Amanda, um, would you be open to sharing with us um, like a quick picture into your marriage and um, what happened in your family? Sure. Um, so I was uh, 18 when my ex-husband and I met and um, we had a long distance relationship. He was in the army and um, I, I mean, I had just graduated high school. I was ready to get out of my parents' house. I was ready. This guy came in and just swooped me off my feet and we had a whirlwind romance and it was, it was great. And then um, we got married and it, it wasn't. Um, and it, you know, things were never good from the start because I don't think we ever, when I look back and reflect on things, I, we never had Christ at the center mm -hmm. of our marriage ever in any season of our lives. We each had, you know, he followed God and I followed God, but our marriage did not follow God. Um, and I feel like that's so important. And that was like the biggest thing when I saw you and your husband, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, look at them like taking trips. And I asked you if you had kids and I was like, look at you, like great job, like making it a priority to just put yourselves first. And, and then you like did a Bible study at your table, you had your Bible with you. And like, it was the best thing ever. You like exude Christ in your marriage. And I, my ex-husband and I just didn't, we didn't do that. Um, and, uh, I think, 
I think the whole time I knew that he was being unfaithful, but I deep down, I knew, but I didn't like, no, no. Um, yeah. and I, I didn't really ask cause I didn't want to know. Yeah. Um, but I found out that he was unfaithful multiple times, um, in January of 2019. Um, and that's when I made the decision to end our marriage. And, and that was, um, that was also, there were also other issues mm-hmm. like lying and, um, money issues and stuff like that, which come from a core of like complete and total shame and sin, um, on his end. And, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, the biggest and the hardest part was, um, you know, we have babies together. Mm -hmm. So it was on one hand, I, do I choose to, um, stay married to this person who has deeply wounded me and, will continue most likely to wound me and has wounded me for the last 10 years. Cause we were, we were together for 10 years, married for wow. um, almost eight. And um, so do I decide to stay and, and just live in a loveless marriage? Um, Cause that's what it was. Or do I pursue divorce and potentially just like <laughs> destroy, mm. you know, our lives and, and shake everything up and, um, at almost 30, like start over. Oh man. Wow. I'm so sorry that that happened to you guys. Um, nobody should ever have to go through that. And, uh, I was just saying before we started recording, I just had been so drawn to you since we had met that weekend. Um, just because getting to follow you on social media and just seeing how strong of a woman you are and of a mom that you are and if it were me on the flip side I either would be in prison because I would have killed Hunter (laughs) or or I would just be I would just be a ball of of nothing um yeah just because I I know that feeling of like finding out somebody has been unfaithful and I wasn't married Mm -hmm. to them. And so I could, I would just know now that like that feeling would have been 10 hundred time fold, um, in the situation of, of a marriage covenant. And so, yeah, yeah, you've just like, just really been, you've just been such an inspiration to me and just seeing how, like what you have shared on your personal page. Um, and then like how you are continuing to move on and be there for your kiddos. Um, And so I just wanted to share a little biblical context as we continue moving through our conversation. Um, And so this was from Exodus 2014. um, And these are the 10 commandments that Moses was given by God on Mount Sinai um, that he came back down the mountain to deliver to to the Israelites, the chosen people of God. So in that time, um, Mount Sinai was where God's presence was. And so that is why Moses went up this mountain to receive these commandments. And so the second commandment that got our third, one, two, three, third commandment (laughs) that God gives Moses is that you shall not commit adultery. And so adultery is being unfaithful wives to your husbands, husbands to your wives. Um, and so with that said, like God takes this very seriously. Um, and if you 
are a Christian and are not familiar with adultery or you're not a Christian, um, whatever place you fall in, um, adultery can come in different forms. It can be um, emotional where you might find out your partner is having an emotional affair with somebody where they're telling each other things that nobody else really has any business knowing except for you and your spouse. Um, it could be a physical um, adultery and affair. It could be um, financial infidelity where there's somebody like spending money behind, you know, the other person's back without telling them or disclosing it. And then one day you wake up and find out you have $50,000 of debt that you never agreed upon or knew about. Um, it can be, um, I guess those are the main forms. So all that to say, again, for more Christian perspective and just staying rooted to the word, um, this is a serious issue. And, um, Oh, the other one I was thinking was pornography. If you have a spouse that is watching pornography or has an addiction or, you know, whatever, like slips and looks at it one time, um, essentially that is breaking your marriage covenant. You are looking upon somebody else's nakedness that is not your husband or your wives. And that is very serious. So if you are a spouse that is struggling um, with temptation in any of those forms um, and you have not repented or told anybody, um, just know right now that in this conversation, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would convict you to tell somebody, um, your spouse, your pastor, and that you would come clean and um, let get yourself out of that bondage um, because God is full of grace and mercy for you. And it's not too late for you to turn around and do the right thing and um, come back to your covenant. So with that said, um, something that Coffee UK stresses and that I really want to bring in this podcast and YouTube is the idea that there are some really taboo topics um, in the Christian realm, in the cultural realm, that sometimes I think Christians do a horrible job <laughs> <laughs> at, <laughs> at handling. Um, mm -hmm. And that was um, something that I learned about your story not long after I met you and started following you on social media. And that also really drew me to wanting to get to know you more and just being able to hear your, your story and your perspective and your testimony some more in this realm. So um, can you kind of walk us through what happened when you decided to pursue divorce with your husband? Yeah. So um, my, my biggest Thing in life is um, I tend to go with what other people want me to do. Um, I'm a people pleaser. And so this time that the night that I found out, I told my mom mm -hmm. and that was it. And I, because I needed, I knew deep down that I needed to sit and just be with the Lord and figure out like what I want to do. Um, and then the next day I told I told my super close tight knit circle um, of maybe four people total. Um, and they, these are people who are safe people who aren't going to be like, Oh, go, you know, go kill him or, <laughs> or any, or the other way, like where, okay, now we need to work on this. Like they were just there for me, no matter what I chose, mm -hmm. they just like, like surrounded me in my hurt. 
and they apologized and they said that wasn't okay. And, but they didn't tell me what to do. And I, I'm so thankful that I have those people in my life, like those friends and that, that group of people, because I feel like everybody needs like the truth friends um, in their lives and people who actually support and don't, don't just tell you what to do. So um, I, I did, that was my thing. I wanted to just sit in it. Um, my ex husband decided he was not going to do that. And he, Mm -hmm. he told everybody right away, um, that night he told, he called our pastor, he called the youth pastor. Um, he called several friends and, and in an attempt to get them to talk to me, Mm -hmm. um, which, I, I understand where they were coming from now, looking back now, you know, it's been two years um, and I can look back and reflect and say, okay, I can see where those people were coming from. Um, but I, they forced a lot of conversations with me and they, mm-hmm. they, before I was ready. Um, and it was things like, you know, I needed time and I needed space and I needed to just sit and feel my feelings without any outside sources pulling me in any direction um, but, uh, the, one of the past, one of the people on staff, uh, at our, at my previous church, um, he, uh, he called me and he was like, I'm coming over right now. And I said, no, please don't. Like I just got the kids to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just need, I need to just relax for a minute. And he was like, no, I'm on my way. And I just was like, no, like I, I told you, no, I, this is not me being rebellious. Like I'm, I'm very, being very kind but no. And, and that happened, I mean, gosh, five or six times with different people, um, from the church. And, and I knew what they were going to say because they, I mean, they would text me instead of coming over they would text me what I needed to do and what, you know, what God says about divorce and how Mm. it's going to rip my family apart and how my, my children's children will struggle because of my divorce and my Mm. decision in divorce. And, um, it was very condemning and very, like very um, unhelpful. I don't know. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that's a, that's a good enough word. Um, And, and it confused me because I, in my heart, I was the only one in my marriage, me and me and my ex-husband, we were the only ones there. So why are these other people coming in? And I, again, I get the like brothers and sisters in Christ. Like we have to speak truth to each other. We have to lift each other up. Um, but I think that's like, I think there's a, there's a boundary there and there's a line not to cross where you're, <laughs> I don't know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to say, but like, um, it was aggressive. They were mm-hmm. very aggressive. And, um, and I think there's a time and place for that. Like if, if somebody is, if somebody's doing something wrong, like, um, like if my ex had, had, um, just completely gone off on his own and they were trying to reach out to him. I could, I could understand because he was the one who wronged, who did the wrong thing, who was acting in the wrong, you know, sinful ways. I could understand them like reaching in saying, I'm coming over to lift you back up. Mm-hmm. That's not what this was. It was, I'm coming over to convince you to, to stay in your marriage oh, and here's why. And, um, and then, you know, I got, um, I, a lot of people from the church then reached out, which was very frustrating because I didn't share that with anybody. Um, oh, no. I didn't share, I didn't share anything with anybody except for, um, my, my very close inner circle. So, um, it was quickly realized that the entire church was 
talking about me and knew Mm. what had happened, which is another hurt in itself because Mm. it already hurts to be cheated on. Right. Um, And it's already embarrassing. It shouldn't be, but it is. It's, it makes me feel shameful that I was cheated on because you have this, this view of like, well, what did I do wrong? Um, and so then the entire church knowing Mm. (laughs) and, texting and messaging and calling and saying, are you okay? And I, and I understand. And I, I, I don't fault those people, um, because they're just checking on me after what they heard, but, um, it's not how it should have gone. Um, and I think that, I think after all of this happened and I started speaking up about like my experience in like through divorce, um, with a church, a lot of other people <laughs> said similar things. A lot of people mm. were like, yeah, I did not feel loved or, um, or helped because if those people that came on to me very aggressively that were trying to like come over after I said no and, um, convince me to stay and like all of that stuff, if they had just come and surrounded me and prayed for me and like, and told me we will support you no matter what. Here is what the the Bible says. Um, here is what you know. Here's my story. Here's what we believe. We will help you if you want to try and stay, but we will support you if you decide to 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 uh, divorce. And um, I think if they had done that, things might be different mm-hmm. um, in my relationships with them because they are. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I no longer go to that church, Mm. um, obviously, and am no longer friends with any of those people who I was very close to. Um, I think it would have been a lot different, but yeah, yeah, there was, there's a lot of hurt there and it took me, um, two years to go back to church after that. I'm so sorry. Holy, I could, yeah, I feel like, I don't even know. How I would respond if somebody said that to me, I would just be like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can what can did you just, just say to me? <laughs> yeah. I Ooh, it, there so were some sorry. rough, some rough texts and some mm. rough conversations where I just was like, I just need a minute to breathe. Like my, my the rug just got ripped out from underneath yeah. me. And I don't need a million texts and calls like telling me what to do. I just don't like, I, I, instead of that, I need people to come like pray with me and, and help me like navigate what to do. Um, because biblically I was within my right to pursue divorce. And, and although that, like, although I had that right to, to pursue that, um, I didn't, I felt, I, I felt incredible shame from my church for Mm. pursuing that. Um, and, and that's, that is, um, it's also possibly no fault to them because my, um, now ex husband did not tell the entire truth (laughs) to a lot of people. So it's hard to really (laughs) gauge, um, what, what people knew and what people didn't, but either way, like when I know that somebody has, um, somebody is going through a divorce or trying to figure out what to do after learning that they have been cheated on. Um, and I, this has happened, I mean, gosh, seven or eight times in the last two years where people have come to me and been like, what do I do? What should I do? I think the best possible thing that people can do is not tell people what to do. Like not like, don't say, Oh my gosh, you should leave. You should go immediately. 
and not say, oh my gosh, yeah, work it out, go through it. Instead, like pray, pray with them, figure it out together, like walk with them, tell them, give them the safe space of like, okay, whatever you decide, because this is between you and God and Mm -hmm. your future ex-husband or husband or whatever it ends up being, I will support you no matter what you choose. I will love you no matter what you choose. And I will walk with you no matter what you choose. Cause I did not, I didn't receive that from, mm. from my church. I did receive that from my, my people, which I'm really thankful for. Yeah. That's praise God for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could just imagine how hurtful that would be from people who you've given like spiritual authority over you. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I I kind of wonder if, especially in the Southern church, it always seems like there's kind of like a, um, like a control tug of war, if that makes sense. Where people Mm -hmm. like telling other people what to do. I feel like, especially in the church. And it's just this weird little power trip. I really don't fully understand. So I've been in the faith going on seven years this year. And I was not raised. Protestant. I was raised Catholic. It's a whole different like vibe and culture and on and on. And then I was raised on the East coast too. So it's just like a completely different (laughs) like worldview perspective. Um, so then as I've come to the South, there's been times and instances in church where I'm like, but I thought, (laughs) I thought it like, I thought you're supposed to consult the Holy spirit about certain things are Mm -hmm. like everything. You know, whether we eat or drink, we should, all the things we do give glory to God. That's what first Corinthians says. So I was always thinking, okay, well, if I'm coming to my, my church body for, for words of wisdom, especially at a time of, of such difficulty and hardship, like you were going through, um, like I would, I would automatically assume that that would be the first thing they would do, you know? And so it's just been interesting to me to see where even in church leadership, like sometimes that really falls short. And mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I just want to call that out, but I do also want to call out the people that are doing it well. Cause there are definitely some places and people that are like doing, like doing the, the Christian thing so well. And I'm so thankful yeah. for that. But then there are some times where, especially with these hard topics, um, it's, it just kind of becomes this drop the ball, oh, well, you're just not supposed to do that. We don't do that. Let's not do that. And it's yeah. like, no, I'm so sorry. Like, I know this is hard. I know this is weird. I understand the culture, um, especially in like Bible Belt, Texas. Um, <laughs> it, it kind of becomes so like, yeah, just like a control thing. And well, this is not what we're supposed to do. So we're not going to do it. And it's like, okay, well, not every issue is that cut and dry. Um, yeah. And not every issue is even your business. (laughs) Yes. And um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry that it like ended up being a kind of a, like a, I don't want to say gossip, but it just kind of sounded like a gossip thing Um, Mm -hmm. because yeah, like you said, it's already embarrassing. It's already feels like from what I've listened to on like radio talk shows and stuff where people feel like, maybe I'm not enough or like I didn't do something or I'm not this or I'm not that. And that's why, you know, my spouse did this or clearly you are enough, especially as a Christian, like we can, we can know our identity in Christ that like God loves us and 
like as long as we continue pursuing the Lord, we are we are okay. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. that was so detrimentally horrible about you that this happened or something. Um, uh, and so, yeah, just that. For so, I don't know. Just I still don't fully get the control thing um, that happens in churches um, because. It's just not the time and place, you know, like that would, it was a time of yeah. mourning for you, a time where they mm-hmm. should have come and, and carried that burden with you. Um, yeah. So it's just like, there was a time and place for that. And that was not the time. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that you experienced that. Um, so you said you ended up not going to church for about two years. Mm-hmm. So what were those two years? Like what? Um, so you said you ended up, you don't, you didn't end up continuing that relationship with your church body. So what did those two years look like for you um, to maneuver uh, your new life that you've been handed um, in finding a new safe place to be with a new church body? So I think um, the first the first year um, was really, really, really tough. Just like navigating the actual divorce process. And, um, I had a lot of pushback, um, from obviously my church and then my ex-husband. Um, and ultimately I knew what was the right decision for me. And I, I'm proud that I made that decision. Um, but, uh, that first year was really, really hard. And I, I did a lot of healing. Um, thankfully (laughs) the church, I, from a young age, I, learned that the church is not God. Mm. Um, the church is people and people are sinful. Um, people are not perfect and I can't expect a church to be perfect. Um, I, I learned that in youth group whenever girls were mean to me (laughs) in youth group. That's a good lesson. Um, I like only just figured that out. So I'm like a little bit behind. (laughs) No. Yeah. That's like, I, man, I was, I was 13 and at a, um, on a, like a trip, like an overnight thing for youth. And some girls were super mean and they, they put all my underwear in the freezer and oh, I didn't. No. Have to wear it. So that's oh. like what my mind always goes back to, but I didn't. And I remember that lesson. Um, I remember going home and my mom talking to me about how people are just, can just be mean and that people are not the reflection of who God is. Um, yeah. And that's like, now I look back and like, I'm really thankful for that lesson because this, the divorce process, like the way that I was treated in the church might have just done it for me. Mm-hmm. I might've stopped believing in God. Like, and there are people like that that do that. There are people who walk through something really difficult in a church and get tr- mistreated and they stray. Mm-hmm. And that's like the most frustrating thing because we have this opportunity as people and as Christians to like, surround them and show them like, okay, no, like now's, now is your most vulnerable time. We're going to like handle you so delicately. Um, so I, yeah, I learned very early on that the church is not, um, is not God and that, um, the people that hurt me do not reflect who God is in my life. Mm. And I know who God is in my life. Um, and he is amazing. And so I, I continued to believe and I continued to pray and I read books and I did studies um, by myself. And um, I, the two years that it took me to get back into church was two years of healing um, and being able to um, trust people again. 
Um, Mm. because I think like that was the real issue is that, and I still, I'm still like, I joined a D group, um, which is like a, like a small group kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And it, but it's with my best friend who I trust. And she was one of those people who was completely there for me. Um, but I, she, she's been begging me to go to church for gosh, like six months, I think. And she's like, okay, you're coming. I'm so excited. You're coming. She met me there. Um, she sat with me and then invited me to her D group that her and her husband ran. And, um, even that, like, even that I get so much anxiety going and, um, you know, because people look at you differently when you're a single mom, Mm -hmm. um, in a church. And I, I don't know how to explain it. It's not with, um, it's not like a bad look. It's just a, like, kind of like a pity look. Mm. So, um, so there, you know, that, and then the just trusting people has been really, really difficult for me. I can definitely understand that. Not the pity thing, but not, sorry, not that it was a pity thing. I don't have the experience of going to church as a single mom and no understanding what that feels like, but I understand the anxiety part of coming back and yeah, just learning how to trust people after you've been hurt by a church family is so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's such a great lesson that you learned so early in life because it makes such a difference. And just knowing that like people will fail you. And that was such a strange concept for me to grasp about the church (laughs) where I'm like, but aren't you like super sanctified, you know, like, <laughs> and I've learned it does not work that way. No. <laughs> at all. Oh. Um, and so like you have such a sweet friend to have come alongside you. And just even what I love hearing is that you, it, you said it took you six months to take her up on her invitation, but she was still there for you. You know, and just you say earlier how people are trying to force you to do these things or make decisions and and rush you. But like trauma needs time. And especially if you've been hurt by a church in that way, like it's going to take time. And Mm -hmm. so that's so sweet to know that like your friend got that and she gave you that space and she gave you that time. And not only did your friend get like do that, but that God is so merciful to be patient and steward mm-hmm. your heart while you're going through that healing process and, and bring you to a place where you are ready to accept that invitation and like be able to go to his house of worship and worship, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of one of the hardest things where there was a period um, last year where we left our old home church and I was just like, I just don't want to go anywhere because <laughs> like, or especially back to our old church, we were trying like just, you know, a couple last times to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I am so like sitting and stewing in bitterness. Like I literally, I can't even, I should not even be here. Like yeah. coming to the Lord because I'm so full of unforgiveness and bitterness. And that is like dirty rags before the Lord. And mm-hmm. I just need to go home and pray by myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like be able to come to church with a pure heart um mm-hmm. and and a joyful heart to come to his like come in his presence like that with other believers um so that's just like that's so redeeming uh, in your story especially having like experienced a hurt from a church before and i feel like that that was something that um just really drew me to to see the 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 faith that you carry 
because like you said, some people would take that in turn and never go back. Um, mm-hmm. And it just speaks a lot into your spiritual maturity and in the Lord's faithfulness of in our deepest trials and sufferings, like he is present and he's there and he's always there and that we can choose to essentially do the right thing, which is come back to him. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just love that about your story that like you, you, you went back and you're doing a hard thing, not only being a single mom, but like being vulnerable again with people who've hurt you before, which mm-hmm. is, I feel like the Christian faith on a platter, you know, like we are always yeah. called to forgive and we always have to go back and do it again. Like, even if we don't want to, even when it sucks and it hurts. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I just so admire that. Um, but I'm sorry that it feels weird to be there as a single mom. I, I'm, I'm so sorry that that's happening. Still. I think, I, I don't think it's like, I don't think people know that they're doing it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's fine. And I probably did it too. When I like was not a single mom, I probably like just unknowingly like felt pity for single moms. Mm. Um, but like, it's just weird. I, I don't like being pitied. So I don't think anybody does. Like, no. And so I'm like walking through with the boys, like taking them to their classes. And I just like, I, I try to like not look at people <laughs> and it's not bad. Like I'm probably overthinking it completely. Yeah. Cause that's just what I do as a person, <laughs> but, um, it's just, it's just different. It's different now going. Cause this is, I mean, I've been five, four times, um, and, uh, or four, yeah, four Sundays. And the first time was just like, who was, I was like, boiling up in the car, like all the lavender and like, (laughs) could probably smell me from a mile away. Um, but like since then it's, it's gotten better. Um, but I just, I have this like weird, heavy weight of like, people want to know like what Mm -hmm. happened, why I'm a single mom and like what I did or what I didn't do or, um, and I, maybe that's just like a stigma that I put onto myself, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it's, it's a little weird. It's weird, Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think people know that they're doing it. So yeah. I don't fault them. <laughs> I think that's so interesting. Um, because it just makes me think of, even if you were to take, um, marriage off the table and just keep it like a person to person parallel where, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't look at somebody like that if they where, you know, your husband or was by your side still, you know, even though like you guys weren't having a fruitful marriage and it kind of just makes me think, okay, like Christians, are we doing a good job at checking in on people and and knowing, like really knowing people uh, Mm -hmm. for who they are and like what's going on in their lives? Because, um, I mean, I was immediately just thinking of, of instances where, uh, even I have assumed, well, this person probably Hi. <laughs> They're awake. <laughs> That's so cute. They're so cute. Um, yeah, feel free to join in, you guys. Um, <laughs> we're almost done. Um, it just makes me think where, you know, you might assume or just to kind of be more cordial to somebody that is looking more like the norm, I guess, where they are like have a um a husband and or a wife with them. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry about it. This is like my life. I love it. I love it. Um, this is a real, real look into single motherhood right here. Hey, we're here for you, sis. Um, but yeah, just like, okay, church, like, 
are we doing our job to to know the people that are walking in the doors you know because maybe they look a certain way when they come into church and like that's great that there's two people like there's a mom and a dad together but like do you know what it looks like when they go home um right you know what I'm saying and so I just think that's like a really interesting question to pose and um do you do you think that there were signs that your church might like could have noticed in your marriage where they could have, you know, asked months or years ahead of time, like, Hey, are you guys doing okay? Like, can we serve your marriage? Or like, I don't know. It just makes me think, um, it would, was there maybe even anybody who had noticed things earlier on that didn't say something, um, not to say it could have been stopped, but just to like have, um, come alongside y'all's marriage earlier or sooner